0: Alarm Radio Show acknowledges that the land from which we're broadcasting is the land of the Wurundjeri people of the Kulin Nation.
1: The colonial project is ongoing and continues to disenfranchise First Nations people. We recognize that sovereignty has never been ceded and pay our respects to elders past, present and emerging. Always Always was, always always will be be
0: Aboriginal Land. land. Salam, listeners, and welcome.
1: Salaam. Radio
0: Salam radio show. I'm your host Marushdi, and um, on this show we're going to dedicate it to Lebanon, um, as this week is the anniversary of the Beirut port explosion, and I have on the line with me a really special guest. Her name is Sara Saleh, and she is um, an activist, a poet, and a human rights advocate from a Lebanese, Palestinian, and Egyptian background. Um, she has written a, a really incredible uh, article on Overland uh, magazine, and uh, yeah, it's an honor having Sara with us on the show today. Uh, hello. Sarah, can you hear me?
2: I can. Hi, how are you? Thanks so much for having me on today.
0: Thank you for coming. Um, I know you just had the vaccine, so you're not feeling well today. So I really appreciate that you're giving us your time.
2: Yeah, look, it's just a little bit of a reaction, but I'm hanging in there. And I and I appreciate the space for us to come together this week to talk about this really important um, topic, I think.
0: Yeah, I will give a bit of um intro. Um, This week marks the anniversary of the disastrous Beirut port explosion, which left more than 200 people dead, 6,000 wounded and 300,000 displaced. This event came as a blow to the Lebanese people who were facing at the time an economic crisis due to their corrupt um, government and as well the pandemic. A year later, here in Australia, we hear from a distance about our loved ones, families and friends living in dire condition, not being able to afford food, cut out of medicine, electricity, clean water and petrol, on top at the moment having to face um, huge fires um, uh, with a heat wave and with little um, infrastructure and equipment to fight it and little to no aid from the government. It's really heartbreaking. And I have to say it's been difficult for me to unpack all this and understand my feelings and my role whilst living in diaspora. It feels like I am grieving, but at the same time not worthy of this grief as I'm here and safe. And this is something that my friend Safa said in an interview on The Breakfast Show and kind of resonated with me. Um, but Sarah, I'm reading your article I feel like it shed a light on a lot of those feelings that I was going through um, and helped me understand maybe how to move forward and to continue supporting my country whether through donating or through doing this radio show Um, we know that Lebanon um, is is not new to Lebanon to go through hardship but this time it's really um, disastrous I guess um, so Sarah, like having lived in diaspora, um, when did you start understanding those complex feelings and started acting upon them?
2: I think that in so many ways this, uh, I, I've been writing this article my whole life <laughs> this and, and other other um, pieces and, and arts. I guess it informs my art. So I think I, I started writing this uh, a year ago after August four. Uh, and I also, in many ways, feel like it. It came out of August four, but it also came out of uh, October twenty nineteen, when there was, you know, hope, and we were going out to protest uh, here on Gadigal land in solidarity with our Lebanese families uh, in Lebanon, when there was a semblance of hope. And I feel like it's also uh, this article is written itself in uh, prior to that, prior to twenty nineteen, in the in the years um, uh, that I grew, you know, sort of grew up. Uh, in uh, you know visiting Lebanon, going to see family, talking to them, so it's a, a almost a cumulative or a, an accumulation of all of these griefs and feelings um, taking us through these these years, these past years, but not just my own, my family's as well. Mm-hmm. So it's definitely that kind of story or the griefs that I I really don't know what to do with, so I just put them in this article.
0: Yeah. I know you're uh, in your in your article. You mentioned your mom uh, w- being there during the explosion um, and that experience. You explained really well how scary it is. Um, how is she doing now? And how are you as well?
2: Oh th- well, thank you so much for asking that. I really appreciate it. Um, because, you know, I, I often think that sometimes we we, uh, we forget that uh, we're in this and this affects us in that way. We're just quick to jump to the analysis without taking a you know, stop to, to process our feelings, to process and to hold space for our family members. So, yeah, just wanted to say thank you for that. And I guess to answer your question, um, you know, and I mentioned this in the article, but my, my mom is sort of, I think... Numb, and mm. I think that it's sort of this adjusting, like this helplessness of we've we've been used to it, and we are used to it, and it just it keeps getting worse, and it doesn't look like there's an end in sight. At the same time, you have to stay hopeful because you know you don't want to fall into despair. Because after that, what's left if you fall into despair? We 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 deserve better. Our country deserves better. So I think. Um, there is that element of hope and and that's probably something that also comes from her faith but um yeah i I definitely think in the immediate sense she's feeling quite um a sense of of sadness and numbness given uh, the anniversary effect, I think, given the fact that she is witnessing all the things that you mentioned in your introduction around the fact that people cannot uh, afford to put food on their tables, the fact that they can't afford basic medicine. Um, You know, she was telling me that milk has, uh, Mm. you know, gone up to like 10 times the price, petrol, the lines are so long, people, and it's being sort of rationed that people are waiting hours in line just to get... Petrol, So that they could go from one side of the city to the other to visit, you know, family and not to mention the lack of health care and COVID and so on. So there's all of that. And it's a lot to sit with. And that's the sort of the stories that I'm hearing from her. And then for me, I feel almost this combination of survivor's guilt because Mm -hmm. I'm not there and I... I, and, you know, it's very common for us to feel this, but I also feel like we have a responsibility to do more. So it's this combination of trying to sit with these horrible feelings, these traumatizing feelings, um, these feelings that trigger, you know, July 2006, for example, mm-hmm. when Israel attacked. And again, very similar when you, you, you know, that feeling of calling your family or trying to reach through international lines to, to see how everyone's doing, if everyone's, you know, safe. Mm-hmm. Um that kind of feeling and then to also understand that I'm very privileged being here but that doesn't mean that I in my feelings are any less valid let's put it that way
0: yeah for sure um yeah it always astonishes me when um my aunties call my mom and they're describing to her their situation which just is unreal like they can't cook basic food they have no access to petrol like my family lives in the north And my cousins have to, like, travel all the way to Beirut to get petrol and come back, which is three hours away. And sometimes they can't find petrol. So six hours without petrol to travel and to buy food that they cannot afford and no medicine. And it seems, like, unlivable. But the way my auntie describes it is just, like, normal um, this sense of like surrendering or um, mm. accepting it is very, um, I don't know, shocking. And you know, you want you want them to be outraged, but you know, they don't even have the energy to, you know, yeah. to do right. it.
2: I think that, um, you know, not to normalize tragedy, but Mm. I think that they're resigned. And I also think that to the situation, and I also think that it's very hard to expect people um, to sort of, resist, you know, a hungry population really stops thinking about resistance. A deprived and starved population does not think about how to change things or doesn't have the quote-unquote luxury of thinking about ways to resist and build Mm -hmm. when you, again, don't have, um, as I said, basic sustenance. You don't even have electricity in the middle of uh, summer and in the middle of a pandemic.
0: Yeah, yeah, and, you know, that comes also with not having electricity that means they cannot even call us, so there's, like, nothing that they can, you know, hold on to (laughs) to keep them hopeful.
2: The lifelines are little. (laughs) It's it's dire.
0: Yeah. Um, And, yeah, I guess that's something you you already touched on as well in your article um, in Overland magazine. Um, But, yeah, you... The other question that I I won't keep you long because I know you're not feeling well today, Um, but I guess, like, uh, one more question is, like, how um, you relate the situation in Lebanon as it's an accumulation of events, no, not to the accumulation of events that have started since colonialism, the civil war, the Syrian um, occupation, and so on. Um, Yeah, how do you... How do you think it all relates to what's happening at the moment in Lebanon?
2: I mean, of course, as, as you've said, this is this didn't just happen overnight. This is mm-hmm. something that we've been going, and it's one you know tragedy in a long list of tragedies. Although the difference here, as I mentioned in the article, is that it, this was uh, a result of our own negligence, our own corruption, our own ruling elites. But of course, uh, again, that shouldn't be surprising because we don't have basic services in Lebanon, uh, let alone to expect them to be able to take care of the population like this. So. As you mentioned, a history of uh, colonialism and Mm neo-imperialism, a history of having countries surrounding us as well as, uh, as as we know, colonial countries, uh, U.S., uh, France, so on, have uh, their interests played out on the ground in various ways in Lebanon, the fact that it is so factional, the fact that we have... Leaders, uh, well, I, I say leaders, but of course I mean warlords um, <laughs> who, um, after the civil war, quite literally swapped their camouflage for suits mm-hmm. and became, the, as I say, the ruling elite. I mean, for me, that is that is the peak of, of hypocrisy and the peak of where we are just reliving and living and reliving these pasts, mm-hmm. these tragedies, these, um, uh, you know, really, um, as I say, the the corruption and the culprits have not paid. You know, they have not been brought to justice. We have not been given the chance to reset and start anew, even though I know that that's what, as we know, that, that that's what uh, Lebanon wants. That's what the population wants. We saw the communities um, cross all these sectarian, quote unquote, sectarian mm-hmm. um Lines and come together and demand better, demand better tomorrows. And as I say now, we're on the verge. Half the half the population lives in poverty, and, and we're on the verge of starvation. And the fact that we can't afford um, basic foods, as I'm saying, the fact that we're beholden to international organizations who are demanding reform, and understand that we're as well beholden to a corrupt elite, means that it's very hard to repair. what is done there's no clear path in terms of how we're going to go get out of this um, with with international aid and support so I guess you know my my Like, I don't really have any um, easy answers. And I I guess it's also, it doesn't feel like it's entirely my place to decide because I'm not the one who has to live with it, in a sense. Mm. And, you know, we've already spoken about how difficult it is to be spat out of a country, you you know, that is your homeland, and that's Lebanon, and then to come here and be spat out in other ways.
0: Mm. But at
2: the end of the day, that's, that's that's an identity or identities that we need to interrogate and think about here. But in terms of what's happening in Lebanon... Um, we need to take the lead from the people that are there. And what they're asking for right now is accountability, is justice for what happened in they on August 4. They're asking for an investigation, and that's something that I think, though, isn't going to resolve all the, you know, the decades that we have, of um, that we've just bo- spoken about the decades of injustice. But I think it is one very crucial step that might begin, might begin to put us on this path of of healing. I hope that's the, that's the best that I can hope for, right?
0: Yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, it feels like um, I guess like having lived. Um, like my mom having lived through the civil war and then um, uh, myself I have lived in Lebanon and w- uh, w- I was there when the Isra- when we had the Syrian um, control our country and then when we had Israel bomb us um, and when Israel occupied South Lebanon before and then yeah. when they bombed us and all these things are happening um, in one lifetime <laughs> and I guess... As you said, like, the the reason that it's getting worse and worse is this th- that it's built on the wrong foundation of having a corrupt uh, government with warlords um, leading it. And it just goes to say that we need to, um, not just in Lebanon, I feel like everywhere in the world, if there is corruption, um, I don't feel like um, it's going to... S- it's going to continue being um, okay. Even here in Australia, we're living in a colonial place until we go back to the root cause of the problem and fix it because um, it's going to come back. Um, and That's
2: exactly right. Yeah.
0: yeah. Um, but yeah, thank you so much. I don't want to keep you much longer, even though I'd love to. Um, and yeah, thanks for being on the show and I hope you have a nice uh, Sunday afternoon.
2: Thank you so much for having me. And I really appreciate, again, the chance to talk about this, something that we deeply care about and to connect over it because I know that, you know, neither of us, um, though we're feeling this, I guess, all of these feelings, um, it's nice to know that I'm not alone in that.
0: Yeah, same. Thanks, Sarah. Thank
2: you, Mirna. You take care.
0: You too. Bye. And this was uh, my interview with Sarah Saleh, uh, who is a poet, activist, and human rights uh, advocate. Uh, you can find her article, which we discussed during this interview, um, on her um, Instagram account uh, or yeah, on Overland magazine. And I highly recommend um, reading it. Um, I will continue playing some music. Um, the song that you were listening to whilst I uh, was having the interview in the background is by Rabia Baini, who is a Lebanese um, uh, music producer based in Berlin. And the song was called Extreme Happiness. Um, but in fact, it, it does make, uh, gives a feeling of sadness, actually. Um, so I love the controversy of the title um and up next i'm going to play uh, a couple of songs by al-Rahmani, Rahbani who is um a musician and uh pol- um political commentator and a playwright um in Lebanon and who made a lot of incredible songs that speaks to us today on is still today even though they were made in the uh, late 80s, 90s, after the Civil War. And those songs were describing um, the and being sarcastic about how the the country was running uh, under warlords and with corruption and with poverty. Um, and they just, just are still so relevant today. So I thought I have to play them. Um, so I'll leave you with a couple of those songs and I'll back announce them afterwards.
3: How is she? فادو ينقطع البراد بهاليومين من منشقع بين النهرين
4: أوه. رح ينقطع الأمل الباقي بهاليومين اليومين
1: ننطر
3: لازم دلالفين شي عجيب كيف ماشي مخشخش من دون خشخاشي ولاش أهبل لا شي عجيب كيف ماشي خاش خاش من دون خشهاشي والفيلم مكفه وفهمينه وشايفينه من دون شاشي يا الله يمكن رح ينقطع الخبز بهاليومين ان مقطع النيل بهال يومين امك في عندها بالسنين <سؤال> <سؤال> يبدو رح ينقطع المتحف هاليومين يومين بس سالك على خطين
4: وهو رح ينقطع النفس الباقي بهال نبقى لنعرف نتنفس بعدين عجيب كيف,
3: عجيب كيف ماشي بخشخش من دون خشخاشي ولا شو أهبل ولا شو خاشي عجيب كيف ماشي بخشخش من دون خشخاشي حكبنا في أسيا الكبرى مش مل ما في حشاشي تاخب أمرك كيف ماشي بس ماشي كيف وارف Besides, oh, she's a
0: If you're tuning to Salon Radio Show. I'm your host Marushdi, and the song that's been playing is "Bhal Yomain" by Ziaeddin Rahbani. And before that, "Harf by also Ziaeddin Rahbani And uh, before that, I had uh, an interview with Sara Saleh.
4: The <laughs> مهدات إلى الزعيم الوطني علماً أنه كان من المفترض أن نهديها إلى أي زعيم لبناني تقليدي أنا والله فكري هنيك يعني وهني أهلك فيك أنا والله فكري هنيك يعني بالسياسة وعلى كل شيء اسمه بهني بهني نفسي فيك أنا فكري يعني وهني فيك أضافي بالمواهف بالمواهف بالسياسي كل شي اسمه تكدي
3: هني نفسي في كل في حيطان شهداء وعالم في مكان شهداء شهداء يومي
4: هني نفسي فيك أنا والله فكري هنيك يعني وهني أهلك في. فكري هنيك يعني وهني أهلك فيك <تصفح> <laughs>
0: this is a, another song by Ziad Rahbani with him sarcastically, "Congratulations, the politician in Lebanon, who are definitely not to congratulate." I know a bit of a disappointment, but the song is a bit of a sarcastic one, um, and it's really good. <laughs>
3: للخلاي للعباد للمستقبل في البلاد للخلاي للعباد للمستقبل في البلاد للبيل ولولا حرية عم سجل هايدي الغني يمكن عمري يخمس قبلك عمري كله ما يكفي أنا
4: والله هلني يعني هلني لأغلب فيه <تصفيق>
3: So, here you are, too foreign for home, too foreign for here, never enough for both. Ijuoma Umebinyo Diaspora Blues What makes you smile and adds a spring to your step? What does it mean to belong? And how do we build a home away from home?
0: Diaspora Blues is a show that contemplates what is and what could be. Join Busto and Bigwa every Monday at 2.30 on 3CR Community Radio. Produced, Produced by Ayan. Don't
5: look too close. Ooh.
0: Salam Radio Show, and the song that's playing now is uh, By the Great Departure, it's called La Bombe, Um, it's a really cool song with um, singers singing in an Arabic style, uh, mostly Lebanese style, with Mawel and everything but in French, and kind of saying that... He wants to plant the bomb, but in a sarcastic way as well, which I thought to play after the Adalahvani because it's similar similar kind of humor and
1: yeah, it's a great song. Up now, I'm playing am Ross. فصل what can you ملك to gang, gang, gang. What can من نفسك to me? لك like لك زي اللي براسك you, man, I'm not your type. تيك am فلو بلاي باك i تيك توك ستطحته الكوكب والفكره وطلعين بتاد توك ديك دينا عم وجسم فراريس بقتن عالتوك توك طب تبروقي شوي ام بوكو لما تقول شك عبياط أصدق غاطس بالكوكو متل الآبد بالبيتكوين ببلد ما فيه connection واكشيب تعليقته بس بالهيبوب انه جدو كان بيملوك سوق العبيد من واكشيب فاكشيك سوق الخضره أمضج من كل بسطط الكلام ناس البطيخ بس بسطط بالفوق جمجم هيدا الاوبشن مش متاح العب ولاد يا باح يا باح عشين الراب كدور ططعنصر ع المناقبات وانت الموسيقى تكتش دور انت وعدوينك صويرة ومجدور اسمان لنفس الشي الحارة دايق شريك كنت تكن تلزيق بال بالكوريدور وجودي بزيد مستفز للعين اللي بمور دور انت كبير بعين صغير متل الفيل عالكور دور له سبن بور خال يعني طور يتحشل we الاوفشور off shore, we يعني rubbing up in bar coal. Yeah, the tar por. We're pushing the day. We're off shore, we're rubbing up فوق bar the tar por. We're فلما تقرب صوبي هيك بالصدفه خليك عراس صبيعك بلات بول شوي بغنو عن شراما بعمرو جرون عبد الوهاب والجون دود متل سكان شايفكن مالطوق جوا فالصوت هالموسيقى مالنا لون طوق يلباسيون شو يا عم سنتويا عزيزي حبيبي
5: المستهتر تذكر رسالتي عدد تشرين الماضي التي وصفتها بالمراهقه وفي يدك آله حاسبه ما هيك ها هي اثبت العام انها نابغه جديره ان تكون اطروحه كتبت لك ماذا لو وصلك خبر ان بيداء غدا فيروس متى تحبني احسب ماذا لو سمعت اني كنت في سيارتي وانفجر شيء بجانبي وراسي غدا متى تحبني أحسب ماذا لو جاءك اتصال أني هجرت هربت غدا متى تحبني أحسب ضحكت علي وقتها أتذكر دون أن تحسب أكيد فأنا دائما موجودة وجاءك العام عزيزي حبيبي المستهدر وإلتك الحاسبة أقفلت البلدان وأبوابها عليك
0: I thought I'd stop the music because this was a, a mix that I made and it will keep rolling and uh, I wanted to back announce the artists that I played before. The one before was by uh, Remy Akil, who is a Lebanese um, poet uh, and a singer um, and a performer as well. And her music is incredible and her po- poetry is incredible and it's all about... Uh, being a feminist uh, Arab woman and being proud of her identity as well, but also criticizing uh, the the yeah the situation in Lebanon um, and in general in the Arab world. Uh, and before that, I played uh, vodka user by Al Ras, uh, who's this uh, amazing Lebanese rapper, and. Um, He's such a such a talented rapper. Raps about uh, the political situation in Lebanon and the circumstances of the people living under it. Um, up next, I thought I'd play um, the song by Checkpoint Three Hundred Three, and they're more Palestinian, uh, but the poetry in it is by Nizar El Kabani who's also Syrian, so it's not Lebanese, but Nizar Kapeni is a very famous po- poet in, in Lebanon. And this particular poem uh, that will be played uh, on the song, um, it's uh, it talks about being underwater and unable to breathe. Um, it's, it's really incredible if you know the meaning in Arabic, so I'll keep you with it.
1: هل تسمع صوت القادم من أعماق البحر الموج الأزرق في عيني يناديني نحو الأعماق وأنا ما عندي تجربه في الحب ولا عندي زورة إني أتنفس تحت الماء، إني أضرط أضرط
0: We're tuning to 3CR Community Radio, and this is Salam Radio Show. The song that's playing now is uh, Risalam in Kindala by Checkpoint303.
1: لو اني اعرف ان البحر عميق جدا ما ارحم
4: اني كنت اتنفس تحت الماء
0: The song that's playing now is by Muslim Gouz, and it's called Beirut Transistor. This show is dedicated to Lebanon, and uh, I'm playing music that is dedicated to Lebanon by Lebanese artists, by also, but also by artists who uh, have made songs for Lebanon. And this is Muslim Gouz. You're tuning to Salaam Radio.
4: media in this country, we as Indigenous people know, have censored our right of telling the truth, and the truth is what this country is most fearful of, in particular, Indigenous truths. Until history is told by the vanquished lens, which is our people telling our story, our way, and have the right to be able to incorporate that into a system of learning, well, people are always going to be denied that truth by deceit and lies. When you look at the type of psychological warfare and spiritual warfare that Aboriginal people are caught in, it's not just in the sense of military when they talk about weapons of mass destruction, but you're right, it's in terms of the media and the industry of media as a warfare against our people and so is religion, I believe, in the Western sense. They're all weapons of mass destruction against our, our people.
1: We need to keep Radical Voices on air. Subscribe now.
0: Go to 3cr.org.au forward slash subscribe or call the station on 9419 8377. You're tuning to Salaam Radio Show. I'm your host, Marushi. This show is... a. Uh, um, is for Lebanon, and it's uh, uh, in light of the anniversary of the bombing of the Beirut port. So I'm playing mostly Lebanese artists, and now I'm moving to more experimental artists. Um, this one is called South, and uh, yeah, and I'll leave you with it. It's called 1001 State by South by Root Skank by Spy from Karaoke. The last song I played is by Tarabid, uh, who are actually at the moment, who's my friend Camille, and he's based in Melbourne, so check their music out. Camille uh, is Lebanese and an activist and an amazing Canon player and nai player. Um, this is it for us. We have the Sweet Dream team in joining us, and... Um, yeah, enjoy the show. You are tuning to Salaam Radio Show on 3CR Community Radio. Uh, uh, on the show, I had uh, the incredible poet and activist, uh, Sarah Saleh, uh, and we were discussing her article, The Day Home Did Not Change the Politics of Nostalgia, on Overland magazine. I highly recommend to check this article out. Um, and one last thing, I would like everyone who cares about Lebanon to uh, help donate uh, to extinguish the fire we have.